From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, where it's always a good reminder that if you have to put out statements saying you're not a cult, you're probably a cult. Therefore, we are your hosts who refuse to answer this question, Taylor and Chelsea. Here today, following up on our part one of what I lied about in the first episode and what will be a three-part series on the Falun Gong. The one thing I also forgot to mention in the first episode and now thoroughly confused you on which episode you're supposed to be listening to. <laughs> <laughs> is that this is a litigious group. So we'll, I'm, I'm curious to see if anything comes of this. I doubt it. We're not big enough for them yet, but we walk a fine line sometimes. We do. We really do. Chelsea, do you remember much of our last episode? Not at all. Just kidding. Yes, I do. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> I guess I just listened to it as well. I had to follow I know. I was see. actually going to say it's not a bad way to do that now. We did not record this all in one weekend like we usually do with our part series. <laughs> But it's the week after, so here we are. Yeah. This episode's going to focus kind of on that same time period that we were just on. The next episode's going to focus more on the present. But for now, we're going to focus on Falun Gong and the parts I didn't really talk about in the last episode. I'm hoping for some answers to be questions. No, questions answers to be answered. Yeah. Okay. Damn it. Why did I say that backwards? You're actually going to get a lot of answers that you were looking for. It's just whether or not they are correct answers. There's no way to know for sure. Okay. I will talk about it where it's conjecture okay. and it's not thoroughly established that this took place, but I think it will answer some questions for sure. We're going to start with our good friend Lee Hongjer. Chelsea, do you remember learning much about his past before he started Falun Gong? I believe we learned a little bit, didn't we? Yeah, we really learned that he was born in the 50s and that he worked for the army as a trumpeter. That's about it. I mean, yeah, we learned something. There's actually two competing biographies out there. One's published by the Chinese government. The oh. other one is published by Li Hongzhi himself. No longer in print. Okay, none of those are going to be 100% correct, I feel. Like. Let's get a sense of who Li Hongzhi says he is and what he's done to start this off. Okay. It says that Li began instruction from Taoist and Buddhist masters from a very young age. In fact, at age four, he was trained by Chuanju the 10th heir of the great law of the Buddha school. And by age eight, he had acquired, quote, the superb great law with supernatural powers, end quote. Okay, that's quite the accomplishment for a young child. Yes, and in fact, by age eight, he gained the power of invisibility and levitation. Wow, incredible. Written by him, remember. I hope that my child does not acquire that talent. <laughs> At least he got eight years to figure it out. <laughs> master Chuan left him at age 12 to be replaced by a Taoist master, Baji Jenren. And sorry, I don't know the actual pronunciations of these. There's no tones on these. This is just written in English. Well, I was taking your word for it. Baji Jenren provided instruction on martial arts and physical skills at age 12. His third master arrived in 1972 from the Great Wei School, Zhen Dao Zi. And he came from the Changbai Mountains near the North Korean border. Unlike Li's other spiritual tutors, Zhen Dao Zi wore ordinary attire and taught Li the way of inner cultivation through Qigong, stressing Xin Xing, which is the mind or moral character. Li's training in this period mostly took place under the cover of night due to the political environment of the Cultural Revolution. He finally had a fourth master, a woman from the Buddha school, who began instructing him in 1974. And after training with these four masters, Li's, quote, energy potency had reached a very high level, end quote. His personal development plateaued around this time with the biography stating that Li was able to, quote, see the truth of the universe, many more beautiful things which have existed there for a long time, as well as the origin, development, and future of mankind, end quote. That's his biography. Why did he need so many masters? Did they just... Well, it's to learn from all these different disciplines. He had already reached a certain level of chi, where he had superpowers by age eight, but he needed to learn all the different aspects. Okay. It wasn't because he was, like, biting the other people who were <laughs> learning. <laughs> or, you know, flunked out or something like that. Because yeah. okay. he's just a child. He was, like, hitting them as a problem. I need to stress this at this point. This comes from the Fallon Info website. They stress that they do not 
worship Li Hongzhi as a god or as a savior. He is just their master. As anybody would say, like, if you're going to a dojo to learn karate, you have a master. Okay. Well, it seems like he's kind of setting himself up to be like some sort of a deity of some kind. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, these are other quotes outside of the information that is available from the Falun Gong. Li Hongzhi is regarded in Falun Gong's belief as a type of savior who has come to Earth to rectify the way and prevent true spiritual teachings from being lost. He also believes that Falun Dafa are means to the end of human salvation as the Earth is entering its last days of moral degeneracy. Mm -hmm. Li has made at various times claims about his own abilities and nature of the universe. He has claimed to possess supernatural powers and insights, considers himself to have reached the highest level of cultivation, and he is equipped with various law bodies, which are Fa Shen, that allow him to do whatever he wants, such as supervising people practicing Falun Gong and protecting true practitioners from disaster. Okay, so he's like, what is that called? Omni- Omniscient. Or omnipresent, yeah. Yeah. This is a really weird one within this cult too. People who have left it say that there is a firm belief with people within the group that like he is standing in another dimension right behind watching everybody in the group. Wow, that is terrifying to have that looming over you. According to Lee, he is an all-knowing supernatural being aware of the ideas and actions of (laughs) practitioners, even from afar. In his teachings, he suggested that he is superior to any Buddha or gods, as those deities revealed only parts of the Buddha law, whereas he brings the complete Buddha law to human beings for the first time in history. Okay, and he said that he doesn't claim to be a god? No, the group itself says he is but a master to learn Mm, from. The group itself. Okay, I I feel like he's really trying to get at something different. And he has stated this. They downplay it as metaphors. It should be known, this guy has published five books. He has done speaking tours from like 1994 to 2000-ish. The transcripts of these speaking tours are fully available online. So you can literally see what he has said and see what Mm. he has written. A lot of the things get downplayed as metaphors, but Literal statements. Lee has also claimed to be the creator of the cosmos at certain points, positioning himself not just as a messenger with new revelations for mankind, but as the originator of the cosmos itself. And he has stated that without him, the cosmos would not exist, implying a level of self-deification. Yep, that would do that. In his lectures and writings, he has claimed that his fa is more powerful than that of Sakyamuni, who is Buddha, and Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Specifically, he has stated that his powers are thousands of times stronger than those of Jesus Christ and that he has left humanity a ladder to heaven through his book Juan Falun. Okay, is that a good book? I have not read it. Okay. If you want to read Sounds any like crazy, I'm sure, yeah. Like, <laughs> Sounds like we're going to get into some of the things in there and like you might actually enjoy it just for how much crazy is in it. Okay. Lee Hongzhi has largely retreated from the public eye since the year 2000, though. So everything we're going to be talking about is basically from 1994-ish to 2000. His presence has been primarily electronic since then, and he has communicated mainly through writings and quotations on Falun Gong's website. His biography, which I talked about earlier with all those masters, was removed from Falun Gong's website sometime after 2001, which reflects this trend of reducing his public appearance and downplaying the deity stuff. Since then, he is rare made public appearances and does not maintain a high public profile. City is focused on writing and disseminating his teachings through the Falun Gong's media channels and the internet. Now, let's talk about those teachings, specifically the more troublesome parts. First, the sex stuff, which is not quite as bad as that might sound, but it's still really bad. Okay, that didn't even come up in the last episode. Not really, no. I kind of left it all for this episode. So, Chelsea, sex is okay in Falun Gong, in the confines of a monogamous heterosexual marriage for the purpose of procreation all other sexual acts are immoral interesting so one thing that gets left out very quickly from that is anything not heterosexual homosexuality makes one quote unworthy of being human end quote and creates 
bad karma and is comparable to organized crime on the level of immorality. Wow. He has also taught, quote, disgusting homosexuality shows the dirty abnormal psychology of the gay who has lost his ability of reasoning, end quote. And that homosexuality is, quote, a filthy deviant state of mind. Wow, that's crazy. In a speech in Switzerland in 1998, Lee stated that the gods, quote, first target of annihilation will be the homosexuals, end quote. That's a bold state. I mean, they're all bold statements that he's making. And remember, he's a god. So like, this is like supposed to be very straightforward. Yeah. Weirdly enough, gay, lesbian, and bisexual people are not banned from practicing Falun Gong. They are allowed to join the group, but they quote, must give up the bad conduct, end quote, of same-sex activities. But like, it still alludes to the fact that they're even with just even having like a thought. Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing. And he is omniscient. So he can see your thoughts and your other body, like you're above what you're thinking and what's going on. So it's, yeah. It's troublesome. That's yeah. for sure. Okay. This next one is a little more troublesome. Chelsea, I'm just going to read quotes from his lectures. This first one comes from a Siddhi lecture he gave in 1999. Quote, The Indian race was created by Buddhas. And that's why the dancing of Indians, the way they carry themselves, and their hand gestures are similar to those of Buddhas. Indians really are a race created by Buddhas. As far as Orientals go, a portion of them were created by Nuwa, while another portion were created by Daos. Actually, to put it more precisely, the earliest race in the early days of North America and South America was the Yellow Race. They're now called people of the Red Race, but they're in fact of the Yellow Race, and they were tanned by the sun. The people of the true red face were the ancient Egyptians. Maybe it's not possible to find them now, since most of them have mixed their blood with blacks. And this is another speech he gave in 1996 in Sydney again. The races of the world are not allowed to be mixed. Now the races are mixed up and it has brought about an extraordinarily serious problem. Once races are mixed up, one does not have a corresponding relationship with the higher levels and he has lost the root. Mixed races have lost their roots and it is as if nobody in the paradise will take care of them. They belong to nowhere and no places would accept them. Therefore you find the place where the continents of Europe and Asia meet a desert in the past and a depopulated zone. When the transportation means were not advanced, it was difficult to pass through it. With the progress of modern means, all of these are broken through. Thus, races have become increasingly mixed up, which can lead to serious consequences. Of course, I will not go into details. I'm just saying that the higher levels do not recognize such a human race. No details on that. No. Race mixing is inherently bad. It's because there's five root races, which I think we've heard before. Oh no. They each have their own gods and corresponding heaven. And if you mix two races, the gods don't know which heaven you're supposed to go to, so you just are not allowed to go to heaven. You know, that's one I haven't heard from a, for a while, that something with multiple gods, there's not just one god, there's multiple gods. So they're getting mixed up. They don't know where you go, so you might as well just go to hell or something like that, right? <laughs> Yeah, again, this is something that doesn't ban you from learning Felon Gong. And in fact, they say if you are a mixed race, you can come to them and they'll try to figure out which god you're actually supposed to go to so that you can get to heaven still. But inherently, you are inferior. I feel like I'd probably choose a different religion. Yeah. Yeah, I, feel, I would feel not welcome there. And this actually became a problem. I think I'll get into it a little later on. But ABC Australian Broadcasting Corporation did a large expose where they talked to previous practicers of Falun Gong. If your family gets involved in it and you're a mixed race and get brought into it, it's super troublesome. They talked to a girl whose mom got into it and therefore the whole family got involved. And she was part white and part Asian and was always looked down upon within the group. She ends up with a lot of problems outside of that. But like, as a child, you don't really have the thought process to be able to choose religion like that or your views like that. And to be told that you're inferior because of that is just so bizarre. Oh yeah, that would make for a lot of problems for that child as an adult. Yeah, I think she'll come up again a bit later. ABC I'd not known outside of Bluey, but apparently they do have an investigatory journalist side. Who knew? Is it Bluey? It might actually be Bingo. I don't know for sure. (laughs) It didn't say. Didn't say. And of course, Chelsea, why you came and listened to this episode now. Let's get into the alien stuff. 
Yeah, let's do it. Lee in the 90s made repeated claims that aliens are responsible for scientific inventions through manipulation of scientists. In 1999, he gave an interview to the Time magazine. In this interview, he attributes the invention of computers and airplanes to aliens and as bad things for society, as well as war and violence. They bring those things. Okay. Lee purported that in general, extraterrestrials also disguise themselves as humans in order to corrupt and manipulate humanity, but some practitioners only believe that is a metaphor that he's talking about again. For what exactly? I feel like those words are exactly what he thinks. Yeah. <laughs> Lee also believes that aliens are attempting to replace humans through a cloning process in which human bodies would be cloned with no soul so that aliens can replace the soul and inhabit human bodies. Again, stated in that Times article. Are aliens still welcome though into the Falun Gong? No, they're bad. They're not welcome. Okay, this is yeah. the first time we've seen them say it's not good, but they are not welcome. These are all statements that come from this 1999 Times article. They're somewhat in the books, but very clearly stated to the masses. Is this by Lee. Aliens are invading the human mind. Aliens come from other planets and dimensions. Aliens introduced machinery such as computers and airplanes to humans. Aliens taught humans modern science. Aliens intend to replace humans. Aliens cause war. Aliens want to take over human bodies because human bodies are the most perfect thing in the universe. Unless they're mixed race or homosexual. And then probably the most bizarre thing that comes out of this interview, they talk about the superpowers that he has because of his teachings. And he says, oh yeah, enlightened beings, which you can become through Falun Gong, have the ability to levitate among other supernatural powers. And they ask him, like, have you seen people with these powers? And he's like, oh yeah, for sure. And they ask him, who, who, who has these? Who do you think he says? Probably like himself, Jesus Christ like a buddha or something other deities yeah no, yeah yeah david copperfield what <laughs> he says that he saw david copperfield walk through the great wall of china and this was an instance of this power being used <laughs> hold on david cop he's a magician yeah i'm not sure what to do with that information <laughs> does he know what a magician is I think so, but still... He doesn't. He also, doesn't. he's an example of people who can levitate, too. <laughs> what about Chris Angel? This is before Chris Angel, and again, this is like 2001 prior. All of the statements that we have from him. Oh my god. We do not have a statement on Chris Angel. <laughs> and yeah, if you have access to a computer, which I don't I know how you don't if you're listening to this podcast... <laughs> Go read this Times article. It is bizarre. It's available online. <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> of all people. Not Jesus. David Copperfield. <laughs> A magician who was known for, like, what are they, sleight of hands? Illusions. Illusions. Yes. He's an illusionist. Oh, God. That is hilarious. Okay. Yeah, in 1998, Lee also made statements that he believes alien invaders walk the Earth. I should also add here that modern science includes evolution as one of the modern science's evils that aliens brought. Because, of course, there's five root human species, so they can't have evolved from anywhere. They're just separate beings that have separate mm -hmm. gods that brought them there. They have to. I wanted to finish off this alien part with, I referenced the Made in China journal in that first episode about the ufology study. There's a second portion of that article that I now want to reference. The most famous element of the popular Qigong ufology matrix described here is of course the Falun Gong, which entered the QSRA with its leader, Lee, in July of 1993. It is unclear what role this event had in further dividing ufology into what can only be described as a two-line struggle, but it would certainly lead to major problems for the movement. Lee's own beliefs about aliens and UFOs are relatively well known, but the question here is how the Falun Gong's involvement in the broader Qigong movement affected ufologists. In the post-1989 context, closer watch was kept on developments within the organization that broadly constituted civil society in China, with party members often joining groups or creating party branches within them. Being thus regularly apprised of what they considered the increasingly strange developments within the Qigong movement, and particularly the Falun Gong, Falun Gong withdrew from, or was thrown out, accounts differ, of the QSRA in March of 1996, 
But this in no way saved the latter and the broader movement from continuing to experience internal struggles and problems within the state. Chinese ufologists in the 1990s, like many other fields of social activity, attempted to establish ufology with Chinese characteristics in a very different way, but with the stamping out of radical Qigong thought and the disappearance of mass mobilization in the field of science, Chinese ufology, insofar as it officially exists, ceased to differ from the ufology of the History Channel or the glossy UFO magazines in any discernible way, but another ufology was possible. Where manifestation of alien contact do appear that may involve something more than this, the agents of the Chinese Anti-Cult Association created in October of 1999, precisely in the suppression of the Falun Gong, are ever vigilant and waiting to expose them. This happened, for instance, last year, 2018, when Liu Boyang, a PhD student in astrophysics at the National Astronomical Observatory under the Chinese Academy of Science, launched a public campaign to denounce online cult tendencies around aliens, which prompted Ben Xingqiao of the China Buddhist Association to write the lengthy, quote, study of the cult teachings of alien systems, end quote on behalf of the Anti-Cult Association, currently posted on the website of the People's Government of Jinghe County, Xinjiang. With so many of the state apparatuses today committed to policing and preventing the emergence of new things and actually existing ufology in China in such a moribund condition, we are far away now from the possibilities that existed in the 1990s for either a Chinese ufology or a socialist ufology. That's the end of that article. But yeah, that's that Lincoln that needed the alien background of the Falun Gong to fully get why mm -hmm. it was weeded out there. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that answers some of the questions that you had about it from the previous episode, though, right? Like, Lee actually started using ufology in his writings and talking about aliens and how they brought these demonic things to us. Like, evolution and computers. And that it's evil. But they weren't associated anymore with that portion of they were both through the qsra right that's what like, it was ufology was studied through that and that was the crackdown and then they took they weren't associated anymore right in the other episode they ended up not being a part they of ended it. up getting basically cut out there's no way to like practice it through yeah. a government body because they found that radical qigong groups ended up taking it on and using it for cult like practices so they said maybe we shouldn't have a government body for this <laughs> I'm really loving how out there this is getting. This is crazy. The next part of their teachings that is very concerning. First off, I need to mention, they do not state this. This is kind of an implicit part of their practice. But adherents to Falun Gong claim that the techniques taught by Lee are a replacement to actual medicine. Falun Gong claims that sickness is a result of past life transgressions and current life transgressions as bad karma. Because Falun Gong teaches that sickness is the result of these karmas, followers often forego medical treatment, sometimes even in life-threatening situations. Former Falun Gong practitioner Ben Hurley noted that several fellow practitioners died as a result of refusal to seek medical treatment, hiding their illnesses from their own families, and believing that their diseases were caused by their, quote, lack of religious thoughts. That sounds bad. And the guy was probably like, I can read your thoughts. I need to say, they say they do not tell people not to go seek medical treatment. It'll come up again later. But they say Falun Gong can cure all diseases. So really, if you get a disease, you're not practicing Falun Gong hard enough and they can read your thoughts. So if you seek outside medical treatment, that just means that you are failing in your faith. This is also crazy. Like, what if they're giving it all they got and they're being told, like, you're not practicing No, you're just not enough. practicing hard enough. Um, there was... Yeah. Th this will come up again in the future. I just wanted to state this belief. And again, very clearly on their website that they talk about where they also say they're not a cult, they do not stop people from seeking medical treatment. But at the same time, implicitly, you can't go and seek medical treatment outside of the group because that means you're not practicing hard enough and Lee will know that. Next, their treatment of people who had joined the faith and then leave it. Let's just go with a quote. This is from Lee. With human beings, when a being can obtain the thought today in history, it's no ordinary thing. He's so fortunate. But as soon as he loses the thought, do you know what he faces? It's really horrific. Because when he fails to fulfill the major responsibilities and the huge missions that were bestowed upon him, then, accordingly, that's like the inverse of a being's consummation. And he will truly have to enter the gate of no life.
You folks can't just go and abandon a person without trying hard enough. No matter what kind of mistake someone has made or what kind of a person he is, I still want to give him a chance. Of course, in human society, there are, after all, a number of people who aren't good enough anymore. So just let them be. Today, I'm mainly saying that our Dafa disciples need to do better and we should cherish those who have obtained Fa. So you are going to be sent to the gate of no life if you leave the practice, which is like the worst state of being. Basically, you lose living entirely. What about for us who have never practiced Falun Gong or who have no interest in practicing Falun See, Gong? See, that's actually better because your life force will at least still continue on. If you reach Fa and then leave, your life force discontinues. That's like the worst thing you could do. That's the worst thing, yeah. Well, no, I mean, you could also be not straight or... No, but you can still come there and just not do that anymore. We can teach you. I just feel like you can't just do yeah. that. Here, okay. here, let's bring this mixed Asian white child to Buddha and Jesus, and we'll just see which one wants them. We'll figure it out. Oh, I forgot to mention in that part too. Most people think of China as a very homogenized group. It's just Chinese people. It's 56 different ethnicities that are acknowledged with, within the borders of China, not all of which would be represented by just one race. Like, quite a few of them will be considered mixed hmm. races. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, the largest group does make up 90% of the population, but there are 56 different ethnicities, including them. In 10% of it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, Tibetans are considered their own race within China. Uh, the oh, wider, okay, okay, yeah. Uh, the, I believe Kazakis are in there, too. There's a ton, and, like, some okay. of them only have, like, 50,000 people. Yeah. But if you're in a country of that many ethnic groups... To say race mixing is bad is not necessarily great under government sanctioning. Mm -hmm. Or was I? Right. So these these are the teachings we didn't talk about in the last episode. We talked about in the last episode that Lee ended up fleeing China once Falun Gong was banned. We didn't really talk about where he fled to. No, we didn't. Just the U.S. Did he just like straight up ascend? Yeah, he just went straight up. <laughs> yeah. He went to a different dimension so he could just watch everybody. But more specifically, he actually moved to upstate New York. They acquired 1.59 square kilometers of land in an area known as Deer Park Township in Orange County, upstate New York, is registered as Dragon Springs Buddhist uh, Incorporated. Chelsea, I need you to look up Dragon Springs just to see what it looks like. Okay, this looks... It's a okay, compound. There's... Yep, there's the security guard with a fence. It's definitely... Asian looking. Yeah, and in the middle of like rural New York. Yep, this is weird. This definitely looks like a cult. Uh huh. That's the compound that Falun Gong kind of works out of. It has a man made lake on it, it has a giant pagoda, and most importantly, mm, it has that's what that is armed guards all around the perimeter. It, it looks highly secure. It's fenced for sure. ABC, who I was talking about earlier, part of their investigation was to go there. This is the part of the article I want to focus on for this. They basically went up to the gate and they said, hey, can we come in? And they were told no. Here she is trying to get in. And I'm just going to read this part of the article from ABC. For generations, Grace Woodard's family has lived in Deer Park area. It's referred to as Dragon Springs and The Mountain. So those are the two names it goes by. She's a member of the Deer Park Rural Alliance, which has been set up in opposition to Dragon Springs' relentless expansion over the past two decades. Grace says locals originally welcomed the newcomers. Quote, there's no transparency. They're doing their own thing. It's like the Forbidden City. Only certain people can go in, says Grace. Driving around town, she points out property after property bought by Falun Gong practitioners. Quote, all the houses we've passed are practitioners. This is where some students and performers live here. That will come up later in the next episode. At a guardhouse at the entrance of Dragon Springs, a security unit patrols the front gate. When the ABC approaches, seeking an interview, they call the local police. Now, I should say, Dragon Springs Vice President Jonathan Lee agrees to be interviewed in a nearby antique shop owned by Falun Gong practitioners. He says the high security is to stop Chinese spies from the embassy from infiltrating the compound. Quote, we have seen embassy cars roaming around in the early days. We blocked them and then called the police, but now they are smarter, he says. He also says that Dragon Springs has been transparent about its buildings, and one of its purposes is to provide a haven for refugees from China. Quote, it's all ordinary people who practice Falun Gong, who want to have a sanctuary, especially people initially who were persecuted and their parents had died, end quote. And the original guy, he's here. 
In theory, the nobody again has seen him since 2001. Oh, nobody's seen him. I thought like, he in just person. like okay he makes like virtual appearances nobody's actually seen him oh weird okay yeah and i can't tell you much about that because <laughs> it's a very secretive group and chelsea so those are the troubling things about their beliefs and i actually found something really weird when i was reading lee's official reason why he left china for new york was because he wanted his daughter to go to high school in a better location <laughs> so he built a compound you know as you do okay i was on the fence after the last one i had a lot of confusion and i was like they don't sound like they're like awful and now i've had a lot of confusion dispelled that's for sure and now, Chelsea, like I said, we're never going to fully know what actually happened between 1992 and 1999 to mm -hmm. bring about the banning of Falun Gong. I mean, I might have a pretty good idea. <laughs> I think we heard a reasonable side of Falun Gong's story of it that just, oh, we got too powerful and the government got scared. I found, I'm just going to say, this is not a website that's still up. It's on the Wayback Machine. It's exposingthefalungong.org. It is well cited. Um, it's written by a journalist by the name of Samuel Luo, but I think he does a pretty good job of explaining what he thinks happened from the Chinese government's point of view. So let's learn. The justification provided by the Chinese government has been ignored and discounted by the Western human rights groups, media, and politicians. In the West, the Chinese government has the image of a tyrant. It's human nature to conclude, once a villain, always a villain. Nevertheless, the story behind the ban needs to be told. Master Li and the Falun Gong organization were held responsible for the deaths of 1,404 practitioners occurring between May 1992 and July 1999. Of these, 1,218 died as a result of refusing needed medical treatment, 37 died while practicing the exercises, 109 committed suicide, and 40 died of unidentified causes. The Chinese government charged that Falun Gong's advocacy and practices of abandoning medical treatment endangered the physical and mental health of Falun Gong practitioners as well as public health. The first documentation of deaths of Falun Gong practitioners was from the article Exposé of the Swindler Li Hongzhir, written by Li's earliest followers in 1994. In Chanchen City alone, the expose documented many ills among practitioners. Seven died, one went into a coma, three fell unconscious during their exercises, and one became psychotic. These ills occurred during the first two years of Falun Gong's existence in Chanchen City. The names and workplaces of these practitioners were provided for verification. Five years before the Chinese government made its charges, this expose accused Master Li of endangering the health and life of his followers by urging them to substitute needed medical treatment with his supernatural healing powers. In addition to the cases reported by the expose, testimonials written by Falun Gong practitioners published on the Falun Gong's own website also validated some of the cases. Jing Yo Ming, the daughter of Ma Jin Xiu, whose death was one of the 1,404 cases reported by the Chinese government, believed her mother's death was not the responsibility of Master Li and the Falun Gong. In her account, her mother had been diabetic for 16 years before joining the Falun oh, Gong God. in 1996, and she had been taking, quote, more than 30 prescribed pills daily, end quote. Shortly after picking up Falun Gong, quote, my mother's health improved miraculously, end quote. Miss Jin says, as a result, quote, she stopped taking medicine, end quote. Then in the middle of 1997, Ma's condition suddenly deteriorated. She was taken to the hospital where she later died. Miss Jin argues that before her mother's death, she was treated in the hospital. Therefore, the problem of refusing medical treatment did not occur. Yikes. In a carefully crafted response to these accusations, Lee stated this, Some sources claim that I forbid people to take medicine. Actually, that is absolutely untrue. I have simply explained the relationship between cultivation and practice and taking medication. I have enabled more than 100 million people to achieve health. Countless terminally ill patients have recovered and become healthy. This is a fact. As for those who are critically ill or mentally ill, I have always advised against them learning Falun Gong. Yet some people nonetheless insisted on learning it without my knowledge. In that case, is it fair to call this kind of individual who died of his own illness my disciple? It does end on a question. I think yes, it is. He also knows everything. He is self-proclaimed that he is omnipresent. 
Also, how could anybody do anything without his knowledge? That's the end of that quote. The article continues from here. Lee has made giving up medical treatment, quote, an enlightenment quality, end quote, that his followers should strive for. Yet he always denies it in public. Does Lee define for his recruiters edification what exactly constitutes a, quote, terminally ill or critically ill patient, end quote? He doesn't. His argument is simply to a pretext to rid himself of responsibility. Lee was aware of the sudden death of his followers, but he gave different explanations. In 1995, in the first of his two directives that addressed the issue, Lee characterized the sudden death of practitioners as a, quote, prominent problem, end quote, and explained its real cause. Again, another quote from Lee from the time. Oh, boy. <laughs> A prominent problem. At present, there is a prominent problem. When some students' primordial spirits leave their bodies, they see or come into contact with certain dimensions at certain levels. Feeling that it is so wonderful and that everything there truly exists, they won't want to return. This has resulted in the death of their flesh bodies. I have addressed this problem before, so when your primordial spirit goes out, no matter how wonderful you find those places, you have to return. End quote. I'm sure most people try. <laughs> Sometimes you just can't. A normal Qigong exercise group or a legitimate religion would not have to come up with this kind of excuse for the deaths of their members. Yep. But Lee needed such a bizarre explanation because he claimed to have the divine power to heal and protect his followers. He could not afford to have his followers attribute their colleagues' sudden deaths to illnesses or infirmity. A year later, Lee again talked about the sudden death of practitioners, but this time he characterized it as the dire consequences of altering his teachings. He warned, quote, Did you know that that in recent years, some students suddenly died. Some of them died precisely because they did such things. End quote. Again, he's talking about altering practices. Regardless of how Lee rationalizes these deaths, the fact that Falun Gong practitioners who abandoned needed medical treatment have died suddenly and prematurely over the years is a fact verified by his critics, his followers, and his own words. Is Lee aware of dire consequences of banning medical treatment when sick? The government believes he is. Medical records of Lee's own family have been presented to the public. This record shows that from 1982 to 1992, when Lee worked for the state-owned Changchun Drain and Oil Supply Company, he had 73 medical expenses reimbursed from the government, 48 of which were for treatments he himself received. On July 8th, 1984, Lee had an operation for acute appendicitis in Jilin City People's Hospital. He was released on July 18th, his doctor was Ying Jie Li. This is just standard cult stuff. He, he doesn't follow the actual teachings. But also part of this, he's a deity who does not need medical treatment. So it's just like bold face, a lie. The government has yeah. records of all of this. Of course, you could also say they've made this up to discredit him. So you could argue that, yes. I mean, we could, did we reach out to the doctor? No, my guess is either, you know, because it was 84, 40 years ago now, uh, is no longer living or only speaks Chinese. <laughs> so, okay, all great assumptions. With this information, it was clear to the Chinese government that Li is a swindler and the Falun Gong is a fraud. Li's government critics attribute this advocacy of abandonment of medical treatment as a control mechanism by indoctrinating his followers to depend on him for their very health their very lives, Lee can gain complete control over them, and as a matter of a fact, Lee has threatened those who disobey him with the return of their sickness. Again, quote from Lee, your body will be reset to the level of everyday people and the bad things will be returned to you, end quote, if you leave. Once a practitioner loses Lee's protection, her body will return to its initial state, resulting in the return of sickness and sin. Lee refuted the Chinese government's claim in an interview with Newsday. The then 47-year-old master proclaimed, quote, I have never been to hospitals, never been ill, end quote. However, Lee has failed to provide any evidence to back his rebuttal. This evidence could be a physical examination that shows his perfect health, his scarless body, and an appendix that is still within him. <laughs> Without this evidence, we can conclude with common sense that Lee did receive medical treatment and he might still be seeking medical treatment in secret. 
<laughs> Lee has been called a swindler, yet he can also be called a cruel manipulator and even a cold-blooded murderer for putting these people who trust him into painful and life-threatening mm -hmm. situations. How many Falun Gong practitioners have been manipulated into adopting this dangerous practice, and to what degree do they jeopardize public health? The Falun Gong's own health survey contributed to the answer. A survey conducted on October 18, 1998 in Beijing revealed the alarming information. 418 poll practitioners had zero medical expenses after practice." End quote. The average annual expense for the total 584 practitioners polled was reduced from the roughly 430 US dollars of the regular Chinese person to $8.75 for a practitioner. The practitioners were categorized according to illness. In the largest group, 225 out of 274 practitioners with cardiovascular system illnesses reported totally stopping their medical treatments. In smaller groups suffering from endocrine disorders like diabetes, 26 of 33 practitioners had totally stopped their medical treatment. And Chelsea, I need to point out at this point, remember what we were talking about in the last episode with the reported benefits in the studies of practicing Falun Gong, where it was like 98% of people had health benefits from doing it? Yeah, because... They were self-reported and basically saying, do you think you are healthier now? From just doing the exercises, right? Yeah. No, from being said... part of Falun Gong, which is part of oh. the exercises, but yeah. self-reported. So it could be either A, a placebo or... Lee is watching you, so you have to say that you feel healthy. Well, yeah, absolutely. There's the threat of always being watched. The health benefit is just self-reported from a group who can't give you a real answer. Well, not only that, they can't seek any medical attention, so they don't know for sure. No, exactly. Let's continue on. The two important points need to be made here. One, Falun Gong practitioners were not poor people who could not afford treatment. They have received medical care before they were indoctrinated in the Falun Gong. 69.2% of practitioners in this survey were 51 and older, who had worked under China's old socialistic system and therefore were entitled to a sizable or full amount of medical expense reimbursement from the government. Two, practitioners in the affluent Western countries have also adopted the dangerous practices of abandoning medical treatment. Dr. Palmer from Canada notes that, quote, within the Falun Gong community, there is a considerable social pressure on practitioners to abandon conventional medicine, end quote. And this author's parent in the United States who have medical insurance refused needed medical treatment when seriously ill. The scariest and deadliest infection, and this shows when this article was from, it's from 2008, that broke out in China and spread elsewhere in recent years was SARS, caused by a deadly virus strong enough to live up to 24 hours outside of the human body and transmissible by air. In 2003, it contaminated 7,864 people and killed 643 in days worldwide. Many of his victims were medical professionals, nurses, and doctors who were at the front line battling this virus. The ban on Falun Gong in 1999 might have saved China and even the world from a pandemic. To understand how the Falun Gong could have jeopardized the containment of SARS, we need to first understand the containment of the deadly virus and the group's position on SARS. Without a known cure, the only hope for survival and for containment of the deadly virus were early detection and quarantine. All those infected, as well as all who had close contact with them within two-week period, had to be quarantined. Beijing had 2,521 probable cases and 30,178 people quarantined during that time. While SARS was contaminating thousands, killing hundreds, and frightening world health professionals, while doctors and nurses risked their own lives to help the infected, Master Lee called SARS, quote, heaven punishing people, end quote. Oh, no. And on April 20th, 2003, Lee made the following statement at a Falun Gong conference in New York predicting a worldwide pandemic. You must have seen the epidemic that's come along in China now, right? Hasn't a huge epidemic arrived? To put it in human terms, it's heaven punishing people. What it's targeting, we Dafa disciples know full well. It's targeting those who don't deserve to be saved. This is the first round of cleansing. People find it scary, but in fact, the truly horrible thing hasn't begun yet. This isn't the real big cleansing when the Fa starts to rectify the human world. It'll be even more horrifying when the big cleansing arrives and it'll target the entire world. Wait and see, this is going to be an eventful year. A lot is going to happen. End Yay. quote. That is a quote right from them, correct? That, that's a quote right from Lee. Okay, and that's not the government saying that he said this. No. I can see the dangers. I'm starting to see them. My first hint was David Copperfield. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just need to add this last little bit from the article too, because it just shows how problematic this group is. While Lee was excited about the possible mass die-off, one of his faithful followers, Dr. Li Li Fung, an associate professor from Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas, assured her fellow practitioners that they had the power to resist and contain SARS. Her statement was published in a Falun Gong website on June 2nd, 2000. A research experiment in our lab has discovered that many Falun Gong practitioners' immune systems demonstrate a type of two-directional regulating ability. What does this mean? In their cases, it means that when the immunoreactions become too high, they are automatically restrained, and when the immunoreactions are too low, they are automatically increased. It is the kind of regulating function that acts as a safety valve for one's body to guard against viruses, yet the Chinese government has cracked down on Falun Gong group. If the total of over 100 million initial Falun Gong practitioners in China have been allowed to keep up the practice of Falun Gong, they would have formed a gigantic protective layer over Chinese society. They can protect more than just themselves. Why? If over 100 million Falun Gong practitioners had been allowed to practice Falun Gong, they would have been able to resist the SARS virus, stop the SARS virus from being transmitted through them, and form a large immunity shield, which could protect more vulnerable people in China. This is the saddest thing for me and brings me something I must emphasize. What I want to say is this. Persecuting Falun Gong is the most evil and foolish act while the plague prevails over China. What we need most are those people with the resistance to the SARS virus. Yikes. That's from a doctor who practices Falun Gong. Yikes. There's more to this, but we're getting really long-winded at this point, so I just need to wrap it up with a little bit. First, I want to talk a bit about... Do you know how we're talking about the end of the last episode, the persecution that they faced within China? Yeah. There are multiple reports that Lee has told all followers that... If you want perfect karma to be absolved of all past and current sins, you can go through this persecution. If you get abducted by the Chinese government and tortured and put into these camps, you will be absolved of all sins. Unless you sign a retraction of your faith with Falun Gong, in which case you have worse karma. I don't know whether or not their claims about what takes place in these camps are accurate or not, as like the more horrific things that take place in them, the further your sins will be absolved. And specifically, it's a test that Master Li has put in place of your faith. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The Chinese government is on record as basically saying, we need them to come back to society. So we're just trying to unbrainwash them. I think the answer is somewhere in between those two extremes. Yeah, it would be. It should be noted that the Falun Gong has on record on their side, some human rights groups saying that organs are being harvested from people. It should also be noted that the Falun Gong people believe that they have super powered organs and that is why the Chinese government wants their organs, which is also one of their reasons behind. Like, it's just... Ah. I know, I don't know what to say right here. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I feel like being in China is just in a cult operating as such it's just a recipe for extreme disaster yeah but I will say that there are benefits to a dictatorship one of those things is that you can actually counteract a group like this effectively or as that's true cults in democratic societies yeah you can't shut them down you can't it's just so difficult so I, I don't they, know what to believe there they really should be able to be shut down Yes. I will say that. I live in a free country, but we should be able to shut like cults like this down. Yeah. They're dangerous. And the last thing I want to leave off with on this episode, Chelsea, I talked about SARS, but I don't know if you know this, but there is a, a larger pandemic that has taken place since SARS. Um, I believe they uh, called it COVID-19. For, it. It's a, a super group of 19 different viruses that came together to uh, wipe out the human race on behalf of Wait, Falun Gong in the 2019. Hold on. They sent it out? Something along those lines. I really hope you guys know enough about COVID-19 that I don't need to talk about they it. They sent it out? Outside of this part. Why would they do that? No. I couldn't find a statement on Lee about this being like, oh, to wipe out the Chinese government again and all the non-practicers. What I did find when I was Googling this is a quote, scientific paper, end quote. That's a quote from me. I'm just putting it in quotation marks because it was a four page article on the benefits of practicing Falun Gong against COVID-19. Didn't read the article because I thought that was batshit insane. Maybe I will at one point, I ran out of time. I mean, maybe that was the world's problem. Not enough Falun Gong. Place. 
or yeah, too much nobody film. knew no not enough nobody knew about this paper Come maybe back. it's that nobody knew about this paper i'm gonna say that maybe a group that refuses to be sick or seek medical treatment might have led to more spread than needed to occur in this group case in point i found a practitioner's website this is something that came from it the website was in felandafa minghui this happened in late 2022 this is right from their website at an elementary school in guang county of shandong province more than half of the students were quarantined because they were infected with covid19 the rest were isolated because they were exposed to the virus the classrooms were empty and nearby villages were locked down ming attended the school but he was not infected but he had to be isolated and accompanied by a parent due to his young age his mother went with him and tested positive afterwards. Many people wondered why Ming was so lucky not to test positive. Why Ming's grandmother is a Felon Dafa practitioner. When she heard about the quarantine, she called him and reminded him to say, quote, Felon Dafa is good, end quote. And, quote, truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance is good, end quote. Ming repeated this phrase over the phone and repeatedly said them afterwards. He was thus blessed. Later, Ming, who was not infected, and his mother, who was infected, were transferred to Laocheng City for quarantine. During those 18 days, everyone around them was infected, but Ming kept miraculously testing negative. The miracles continued after Ming returned home. Almost everyone in the village was infected, including his family. Even though he lived with his infected family, Ming was fine. Well, that's a lesson for all of us. This is still a wide belief that COVID did not impact people who practice Falun Gong. Right. I can't even imagine if somebody called my child and told them to say that. <laughs> grandparent. Grandparent did that. Yeah, I definitely have words for that grandparent. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I think that's a good point to leave off with for this episode. Chelsea, anything you want to talk about? I do. I have a couple things. One, does the ever come up? That's the next episode. Next episode. Okay. Next episode is actually going to be talking about subsidiaries of Falun Gong. Yeah, I'm interested to see Which I will leave a surprise for you as to what comes up. I love surprises. Second, this may cause a problem for us with the Magician's Alliance, but I can't let David Copperfield go. And I know computers are technology bestowest upon us by evil aliens and is bad. But I just went to the wikipedia page for david copperfield on his levitation and right here we have u.s patent number 5354238 in which is how he levitates which is all an illusion by the way it's not through qigong practicing it is not at all. you don't see him reaching up into the two cosmic extremes <laughs> is that just what the picture of the patent I've been staring at the picture of the patent for since you mentioned it. It's all trickery. I'm sorry, Magician's Alliance. <laughs> but I had to. Unless this guy sits on the Magician's Alliance, in which case he doesn't want this out. But I just had to divulge this information. It is, in fact, a workaround for how he levitates. He does not levitate. That's my favorite thing ever, I think, that's come from this whole podcast. That's all I had, Dad. You think he could have said there's many practitioners of my <laughs> group who have done this or something along those lines. Nope. David Copperfield. <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> that was a wild ride. Stay tuned for next week where we talk about the subsidiaries. Anyhow, for the meantime, I have been Taylor here with Chelsea. We are Journey to the Fringe. Thank you all for listening. and We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Uh